Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the afternoon here on AusBiz, live from our Barangaroo studios. Great to have your company for the call 10 stocks. Picked by you, I put them to two experts. We do it all in one hour on this 7th of June. And uh, our two experts today, uh, a cracking panel to uh, look at your stocks. Mark Gardner from Macro Capital joins us. Mark, how are you? How are you? Good, good to see you. Uh, everything in a bit of a holding pattern this morning ahead of uh, Reserve Bank? Yeah, it? well, we've got obviously our RBA today, um, ECB, Fed next week, um, CPI on Friday. So mm. a whole stack of data that will be yeah. pretty important going forward. So yeah, pretty much just a bit of a holding pattern for the moment. Yeah, live coverage of that RBA announcement, 2.30 Eastern right here on Osbit. So you'll get the most up-to-minute analysis of it when it drops. Uh, Also joining us today on the panel, Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Uh, Howard, good afternoon to you. Uh, Hi, David. Hi, Mark. Markets on tenderhooks of different news events over the next two weeks, is that? Yes, um, but we and our members in Team Invest don't take probably as much notice of it as the people who trade more often. Um, being very long-term investors, obviously we're interested in what's happening and uh, yes, it will be the kind of thing we'll be discussing in our masterclasses. But when you're looking five and ten years out as your investing horizon, um, the day-to-day sort of news that comes out is less important. Obviously, interest rates is going to have an effect. It's going to probably depress P-E ratios. Um, but, you know, if you invested in really good companies, they've probably got pricing power and their earnings will rise. So it's the sort of thing we'll be discussing, but it's it's certainly not as important to us as people yep. who watch daily movements. Yep, that's a really good point. All right, let's get uh, stuck into it uh, because we've got a lot to get through today. Um, in terms of our first half hour, we'll be taking a look at Ingham's, corporate travel, Grange Resources, Adair's, and CSL, so a real mixed bag there, but uh, a really good mixed bag. Uh, first up, stock of the day. Uh, thought we'd take a look at Platinum Asset Management. Hit all-time lows this morning at around a dollar seventy-two a share. Um, this uh, down a, um, a cent more at the moment. This is the as the broader industry struggles in the current macro environment. Of course, Magellan came out yesterday with an update, a stock we follow that comes up a lot here on the call. Um, reported funds under management city at $65 billion versus $69 billion end of April. Halved, share price halved since September 2021. 20, Hamish Douglas has sort of moved on. Um, so what are our, what's the panel think first up of, um, of Platinum getting to a record low? And and the sector generally, 
Uh, Mark, is it is it one just to avoid? Uh, I think it might be at the moment. Um, I mean, certainly uh, you haven't had a lot of fun um, being involved in these stocks for the last yeah. uh, for the last sort of six to six to twelve, maybe twelve months. Um, Look, I think we, you've got to give a little bit of perspective. Obviously, you know, start of 2020, we went pandemic, and then obviously we played mega catch-up through late 2020, 2021. Yep. And then it, we ran into our best financial year on record, um, and then we've sort of gone sideways since, and now we've got inflation issues and rising interest rates, etc. So with the level of uncertainty and elevated level of VIX uh, has yep. not been a fund manager's friend overall. Um, and look, yeah, I, to be honest, these guys, they're having a look at their funds this morning. Um, none of them are performing particularly great. Right. Um, so you're not going to get any of that, you know, their, their performance fees and things like that. And um, funds under management can shrink because of the size of the fund. As the assets have dropped in value too, is well, it? Yeah, they can. Isn't yeah. just but, but people but, taking money but, out. But there's also a lot of net outflows. Yes. So, um, look, I, I, from a long-term perspective, just with the rise of ETFs and the amount of uh, the ASX stats on um, how many people are using a, uh, you know, using ETFs, yeah. uh, particularly younger investors. Um, yeah, look, for me, it doesn't paint the rosiest of pictures. Um, there are some really, I mean, there are some good ones out there. Um, I think from memory, Wham. Does, yep. has, has actually outperformed generally in shifting cycles. So they may be one to watch, but I don't think they've done you know, that great yeah. either. Uh, I think we're through a backdoor listing. Regal, man, um, uh, Regal Asset Management's come on uh, yeah. by VGI. So from what we could calculate, they were, they were a fairly... Well, you were basically getting Regal at a reasonable discount yeah. to getting in there. They've got a... They've got a really sound track record, but um, I own the fund manager rather than the funds um, because I dare mm. say that you know they'll bring in new traders. People of trading teams have left and things like that. But um, yeah, look, the whole sector really for me is, is an a void. Oh, it's an avoid at the moment. Okay. Um, yeah, look, and look, it's a, it's a real metrics trap because you know it's got a low PE, low PE mm. versus sector. It's got a great you know. Great numbers, but look, if if there's net outflows of funds, all yeah. of those numbers don't mean anything at all. So um, yeah. they've also been, Magellan's been removed from the ASX 100, and then uh, I think these guys have been redu- uh, removed from the ASX 200. Right. So in, there's going to be pressure on these guys from index fund sellers as well. So right. I'd be, yeah, I'm a sell. Okay. Um, Howard, what do you think of Platinum and, and the sector generally? Uh, yeah, let's take platinum first. I mean, for 15 years, their earnings per share have remained roughly flat. Now, when you consider that over 15 years, we've had about 50% inflation. Our inflation rate's been low, but it's still been 50% or so over 15 years. Um, the fact that they haven't increased their earnings per share in 15 years means they've really gone backwards. And if you'd been invested in them, hardly surprisingly, the value of your shares have gone backwards, as in fact they have. So yes, they're at record lows, but um, there are two main pressures going on in the whole funds management industry at the moment. The number one, the rise in ETFs, which is the current fad or fashion, it'll probably go away, I'll come back to that in a minute. But that's causing pressure on the amount of fees that fund managers can charge. So they're getting squeezed on the amount of fees that they can charge. The second thing is markets aren't in a boom time in in the last few months. And, you know, there's that long 
standing expression that markets go up by the stairs and come down in the elevator. In the case of fund managers, they sort of an express version of the same thing. They go up not by the stairs, but up by a fairly fast-going escalator when the market's going up. But they come down in an express lift when things are going down because they don't get performance fees. People pull money out of the funds and the uh, amount that they earn for fund management, the fees they charge, goes down. Now, not all funds are doing badly. I mean, uh, Magellan's been doing poorly. It's been underperforming its indexes. Platinum, I'm not sure how it's doing relative to its indexes, but the fund's not doing well. Um, but, uh, you know, our conscious investor fund's been doing very well for its investors. It's not listed, so it doesn't help anybody if they want to buy shares. Um, but I think overall, the time to be buying into uh, asset management companies is at the beginning of a boom in markets, not when interest rates are rising, but when interest rates are falling. So definitely a no from me, even though it looks cheap, as Mark pointed out, on a PE ratio basis, it looks very cheap. Yep, absolutely. And uh, as I think, Howard, you, you always say um, uh, that um, it could be cheap for a reason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the main reason is its earnings per share. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sideways for 15 years. All right, let's go on to the uh, under the stocks that you want us to take a look at. First up, Harvey wants a view, uh, Mark, on Ingham's, the big uh, poultry and uh, food stock um, uh, business. Um, uh, bigger supply to KFC as well, and yeah. sort of massive dominates that, that chicken market. And um, Harvey says, does this go into the agri play that a lot of people are talking about at the moment? Yeah, look, I mean, it, yeah, you could classify it as consumer staples for sure. Yeah. Um, they've had a, I mean, they've been sort of steadily, you know, increasing most of their metrics for a while now. Um, analysts are pretty neutral on them overall. I think um, they've had a bit of a rocky road, obviously. Fires, floods, has uh, yeah. been sort of messing with their um, their input costs for their chook feed and things like that. So, um yeah, look, they've improved at the last update overall. Um, I'd probably just be a little bit of a, um, you know, a wait and see for the moment. They've just right. had so much turbulence in the last few updates. Um, you know, their, their long-term growth outlook is still sort of 10% a year. Um, you know, their forward PE is sort of 20-odd, and which is a little bit lower than the sector PE. So, But I think those rising costs in feed prices may, right. may affect them. So... What I, I would probably, in that agri-sector, uh, I think you've got a few options there at the moment. Um, Institec Pivot, I think, will um, yep. will benefit even even as a demerged entity. Um, and then Elders, obviously, mm. you know, takes a little piece of everything out there in the country. So, yep. um, so yeah, they, they, and they, they both yield a little bit higher than these guys as well. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I think uh, overall, I think they, and as, as I recall, they've got a little bit of debt as well, which isn't going to, which obviously isn't going to help in a, ride, a yeah. rising ride env- a rate environment. So, okay. but there has been shortage of chicken. I mean, KFC restaurants in London, I think, when basically ran out of chicken at yeah, one yeah. stage. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. look, I think pri- food prices are heading higher. So, um, yeah, just a matter of whether they can maintain their margins, I yeah. think, is, is probably going to be the key. And we just probably need a little bit of stability from the, yeah. from, an, uh, from a um, report. We had New Farm on yesterday mm. and Nathan Somersandaran, who's been big on this agriculture mm. theme for a year now, 
um, had a buy on New Farm, but saying it was probably at the bottom of his list of the sector. He said Elders yeah. was by by far the well, best. Interdeck pivot, he's been big on uh, with the with the uh, splitting of the business, mm. which he thinks Orica might take the yeah, okay. uh, the new one. So yeah, he's, yeah, there's, there's he's some great options in the sector. Yeah, so really not not to say that Ingham's is a particularly bad company, but no. but I just think better that, options. Uh, I think there is definitely better options within yeah. the sector at the moment. Uh, and how the problem is agricultural stocks, anything to do with that area is quite cyclical too, is it? It is, but um, there are a couple of other things with Ingham's. I mean, it's got massive debt for the size of the business. It's got it, the latest report it gave $260 million in net debt. Its debt to equity is way off the charts in terms of what we would look at as being acceptable. And with interest rates rising, that's not a good position to be in. The other thing, of course, is because of the problems in Ukraine um, with Russia having invaded, um, they're the two biggest uh, uh, grain exporters in the world, not the two mm. biggest producers. Mm. The US produces more, but it uses most of it uh, internally. So with grain costs going up and grain being used to feed the chickens, um, Ingham's costs are going to be going up and they already flagged that. So. Uh, not a company that we'd be at all interested in in Team Invest from the point where our members would look at the debt to equity ratio and debt to market cap ratio uh, and, and say, this is horrendous uh, and wouldn't want to be involved at all. Um, in terms of the sector, you know, mentioning New Farm, something like 20 odd years ago, maybe slightly less, I owned New Farm. And at that stage, New Farm's share price was higher then than it is today, which yeah. means yeah. that if you don't new farm over all this period of time, it would have been a slow burn capital killer. And the reason is fairly yeah. simple. It's earnings per share go up and down, but overall, when you look at the graph, they more often go down and usually buy more than they go up. And that's before taking inflation into account. So yeah. uh, I wouldn't be enthused about them either. Okay. Um, Howard, Linda wants a view on uh, corporate travel. The big travel agency, obviously, through the name, specialising in business and corporate travel, all during the pandemic. Um, we talked about stocks like corporate travel and Webjet and Flight Centre saying this is reopening, reopening. Now we've opened. <laughs> Are they starting to deliver? Um, what do you think of it as a stock? <laughs> well, we won't know until they report, but... Um it, my expectation is, yes, they made two very cheap acquisitions compared to what those companies would have been bought uh, or would have cost before the pandemic. And they're a much bigger business today than they were. So, um, you know, the, the, obviously travel is going to take a long time to recover to the extent that it was before. People have learned to do meetings by Zoom. They've discovered they can do the sum of the time. But even if the total travel sector is, say, 20% smaller than it was before the pandemic, um, the chances are there's a hell of a lot more than 20% of the players in the sector have gone broke and disappeared. Yep. So yep. corporate travel's in a wonderful position to grow its earnings substantially now already as travel comes back. But we'll really only know when they report in August. I hold corporate travel shares. I'm enthusiastic about it, and I think in the long term it's going to do well, even though the travel industry as a whole will be smaller 
But it's always a case that the strongest companies in an industry benefit from disruption mainly because the weakest companies go broke, so they have less yep. competition. So, yeah, I'm, I'm positive about it. I wouldn't actually uh, buy it at the current share prices. So in terms of a member, you know, I mean, if you were phoning in and saying, you know, would I buy it today at $22? Probably not, but you had plenty of opportunity to buy it in the teens and even in single digits yeah. uh, through the last yeah. two years. I don't think yeah. it's expensive yeah. now, but it's probably uh, n- not looking at it as being a bargain. There are better things you can buy in the ASX. Uh, Mark, what do you think of corporate travel and sort of a warning with these stocks? Um, for example, Flight Centre, pre-pandemic, 45 bucks. Uh, it's now 22, um, no, 24 uh, at the moment, or no, around $20 as we speak. And, and you think, gee, it's got a long way to go up. But it's it's got a market cap the same as it was pre-pandemic, yeah. because they issued issued so many shares. Yeah, and then they, and I think Flight Centre took on a little bit more debt than say yeah. Webjet did. Um, look, I, I think you know we we like uh, Webjet within the sector, not at these prices. Right. Um, I think they're a little bit elevated at the moment, but um, I think Webjet's actually through its previous record market cap. Right. So uh, Isn't that amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because <laughs> they all raise so much money, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of a trap, but. Yep. Um, I like what corporate travel management did with their money, with those you know those cheap acquisitions. Um, yep. Revenue is definitely lagging. Uh, look, uh, even from you know, personal experience, I'm heading to Perth to visit clients. You know, uh, over the next sort of week, and um, I've got a few trips planned. People are starting to want to meet face to face again. Yeah. Because um, it's still you know still want to eyeball you, I suppose. Um, but look. Yeah, it's. I'd, I'd be. I'd be uh, waiting for the next earnings report. I, I right. sort of echo Howard's um, Howard's thoughts there. But the um, if it plays out well for them, if the acquisitions mm. end up being you know highly EPS accredited, um, and they you know can, they can maintain their gross margins, and then they're obviously a lot of um, you know a lot of their competitors have dropped off. I mean, this could be fantastic, but. Um, it's at the bottom of the trend channel. It's sort of, it's, it's, it's a mild upward trend channel there at the moment. Um, if you're super keen on it, I'd, you know, I'd, I wouldn't. I'd be, Martin, I'd be just more like my uh, hold. But right. um, okay. But if you're super keen on the sector and you and you really think that, um, you know, we're going to see see them come out of this, you know, far better off. Well, then yeah, I'd be happy to buy them here from a technical standpoint. Right. Um, but yeah, they're. they're we, I would have thought they would have had improvements by now. A lot of the American firms, uh, travel companies, are starting to go back to profitability as of next quarter. Um, we tend to lag here, so you know it may be a disappointing August uh, update because we're probably us- we're usually around about three, maybe six months behind the US yep. on most things. So you know, perhaps it's not this report, it's the next one. So it, it, okay. it's a watch list for me. Okay. So a bit of a hold for you at the moment? A hold, but, yeah. But if you've no new that. money going in? No, not at this stage. Uh, Prashan, uh, Mark, wants to be on Grange Resources, uh, saying Grange has run hard to that $1.70 level, looking at fundamentals and demand for the products. Is it safe and likely to run to further um, levels from this? It's... Uh, into iron ore, but iron ore pellets um, out of Tasmania is the the biggest mine in the Savage River operation. So it's a bit different to the big 
Fortescue's and BHP's yeah. and Rio's a, in, in Western Australia. It's a greener form of making your steel, essentially, yeah. the, the pellet concentrate. So um, this is one that I, you know, the, my first ever call, we got to make our own yep. stock of the day. And this was the... Uh, this was the one I brought on, but um, but very lucky that they had a uh, they were sitting on about five hundred million in cash for about five years, and yeah. I think investors had given up that they were going to pay out some sort of special dividend, and yeah, basically I got lucky on that one. I'm not yep. going to claim that at all. Oh come on, but, you never um, admit that. But but I mean, <laughs> obviously you're buying it on the back of the, the, uh, of, the of a fantastic balance sheet. Yep. Forty six percent of the company is owned by pretty much the same um, Chinese sort of yep. entities, so. There's a fair lack of free float there, which is probably why it's sort of prone to these pretty extreme moves. Um, I can't see them maintaining a 13% dividend. Um, but yeah, look, I, I'd probably want to be buying this maybe on a 15% pullback, which it can very easily do. Right. Um, looking at the chart, it's quite exponential there at the moment. Yep. But yeah, look, I'd be buying dips. Um, because it has it has run really really hard, but the it's run really hard for you know a legitimate mm. reason. There, um, those I think there've been the Tasmanian government's awarded them a sort of experimental project with green hydrogen for because um, yeah. it's very expensive to do the pellets. It takes yeah. a, it takes a fair bit of energy. For, um, but the pellets on on an up run, the pellets will outpace the iron ore price as well. So while iron ore is on a on an upward trend. These guys will will continue to outperform, okay. and look if that if the um, renewable source of energy uh, project actually ends up working quite well, and they can reduce that production cost for the pellets. Well, then yeah, look this okay. this can really kick on. So, um, asking for a friend, if you've got it, would you keep holding it? I'd keep holding it absolutely. Right. I'd, okay. I'd be topping up if it fell back fifteen to twenty percent right. somewhere around that okay. area. So. I think right. it's around sort of or roughly the seventy-two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe in around the one forty-five mark sort of thing. So if it, drops, it, it okay. drops back, so uh, Howard, what do you think of Grange? Well, um, as a mining company, it actually looks rather good. I mean, it's got high return on equity, which is quite unusual for mining companies, but largely on the back of the uh, big uplift in iron ore prices over the last few years, and it's iron ore is high quality, being the pellets. It's got no debt, um, and uh, you know its earnings per share or uh, been growing rapidly. Obviously, because the iron ore price is up. I'm just looking across at my other screen there. Yeah. Um, it, it also looks like it's on the surface like it's very cheap. If we knew what the iron ore price was going to be in the future, even if we just knew it was going to stay where it is, this would be an absolute nutter bargain. Because on a PE of 16, Mark mentioned not sure the dividend of 13% sustainable, but on a PE of 16, the earnings yield, I mean a PE of 6, the earnings yield is about 16 and two-thirds percent, which means that they could pay a 13% dividend. The trouble is, will the earnings remain as high? And if the iron ore price comes tumbling down, and it's so hard to predict, um, this will suddenly be a lot less exciting looking stock. But if you believe as a viewer that the iron ore price is going to stay somewhere in the region of where it is now, this is an absolute nut, a wonderful bargain. I don't believe the iron ore price is going to remain anywhere near these levels because you've got China developing iron ore projects in West Africa uh, and in um, Kazakhstan and in Mongolia. 
And as time goes by and those come on stream, it's going to bring the iron ore price down much closer to the marginal cost of production, which is probably somewhere around about $50, $60 rather than the 140 that it is now. So I wouldn't buy it, but if I believed the iron ore price was going to stay high, I'd be jumping into this as being a great opportunity. Okay. All right. Um, Isaac wants a view, Howard, on Adairs. Um, uh, Isaac saying, looking for income and growth, how would you rate the business and prospects for share price growth? We've got, um, it's, um, of course, Adairs is the big homewares uh, retailer, um, but a lot of brokers have price targets of $3.50, which is 50% more than it is now. Morgans have that also, uh, Ord Minute as well. Yeah, um, look, it passes all our filters. It's got high return on equity, low debt, and until the end of the last financial year growing earnings. But it had a pretty disappointing first half of the year. It got an enormous boost from COVID. Um, When people were living at home and working from home rather than going into the office, they looked around their homes and they said, gee, I've got to make the place look nicer if I'm going to be working from here. So they went in and they bought all sorts of things from Adairs, or alternatively online, I mean, rather than going in. And so Adairs got an enormous boost. Their earnings per share went from 23 cents to 39 cents from one year to the next. But they've since dropped all the way back down to the same 24, one cent more than they were um, the previous year. So, um, you know, how often do you go and buy new cushions and decorative stuff for your lounge and your bedroom? You know, you go in and buy them once and then you probably don't do that again for several years. It's not that it lasts forever, but you don't every week go and replace them. So um, that's, I think, the reason why share prices can come tumbling down. But as I say, it does pass our filters. It's on a relatively low PE ratio. And I do know that some of our members own it. And at the price of somewhere not much over $2, I'd be pretty sure some of our members would be buying it. But it does polarise members. There are a lot of members who say, no, no, it just looked good because of the pandemic. And there are other members who say... um, It, it still looks good. So uh, I'm in I'm in the category of not being that excited. Not not that I think it's a bad company, but if you only want 20 companies in your portfolio, it wouldn't be one of my picks. Yep. But if you wanted 50, it would be. Okay. Uh, Mark, what do you think? I notice that UBS have a target price of $5.20. That's almost doubling. There's some pretty bullish brokers there's, out there. On there's that, a few there? companies out there like that at the moment. Um, not in the sector, but Nine Entertainment's got a consensus price target nearly 70% higher, I saw this wow. morning. Um, Nick Scarley would be 60% as well. Um, wow. Look, I'm a little bit tired of the analysts just trotting out this, you know, gut feel view that, you know, we all bought couches in the pandemic and now we're never going to buy couches again. Yeah. All of the numbers from all of these companies have actually proven that to not be the case. Yeah. And everyone just keeps rolling out and banging on about, yeah. oh, we're, we're never, we're never going to buy anything ever again. But look, I think, um, you know, that, that's, that argument's been going for over a year now. Um, you know, we've had floods all up and down the East Coast as well. So these guys have got about five or six stores, particularly in those flood-stricken areas. Right. Yeah. 
Um, Nick Scarley slightly less as well. That's put, I mean, that's my favourite in the sector, but um, it's now below pre-pandemic levels. Mm. So you know it. Um, it's a massive case of, I mean, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. The um, consumer discretionary sector in the US is actually even weaker than tech this year. Right. And a, part, a big portion of that, obviously, is because of Amazon as well. Um, but, yeah, I, look, I, overall, I think these, uh, a lot of these retail stocks, they all, they've pretty much recently um, all had fairly decent reports. Um, they've actually improved on the pandemic numbers. So yet again, I don't know what these analysts are talking about in terms right. of, you know, they're not going to achieve these numbers again. Um, so look, I think these things are massively cheap. They're forward PE is 7.5, sector PE is 25. Um, the return on equity has been 22%. Um, it's, got a, it's probably not as good a yield as Nick Scarley. Um, right. Nick Scully's obviously found a lead, so that's kind of the margin of safety was a, would be my preference. But these guys, um, these guys could very well get a, a nice little push from people having to re, refurnish yeah. their homes on the east coast. Um, they just finished up a project with a distribution centre, so you know supply chain issues and transport costs actually may be um, taken care of with some efficiency there. Oh, that's been yeah. a big capex spend. So. Um, yeah, look, I'm happy to buy this. It, look, it'll, it'll other options, obviously, Temple and Webster and Nick Scarley. Temple, right. Temple and Webster probably is a little bit more of the growth. end. It doesn't have a dividend. Yeah. Um, but, again, everyone had this, um, this thesis on what was going to happen to the retail sector, and the figures aren't backing it up. And, um, they're, and they're, they're all. So we had Accent come up mm. uh, the other day. It's been absolutely smashed with... You know, Brett Blundy's in that, um, and recently bought more shares in. Yeah, that look, there's a, there's, a, there's director buying pretty much across right. the sector at the moment, and look, I think these these guys would be laughing because they know they know the numbers yep. uh, are going to remain consistent. Have, I mean, yep. something like Nick Scarley, for instance, is they just opened, they took over Plush at a, at a cheap yep. price, and they're opening 61 new stores. I mean, okay. the business is actually growing. I think it's time for the analysts to. Um, to park their, you know, their imagine, imaginative view and just yep. look at the numbers okay. instead of... Um, Let's see if it delivers. Uh, Jackie yeah, wants a bit... ...for Adairs. Um, Adairs, uh, for the last uh, 12 months, in other words, the trailing 12 months, its earnings were 24 cents a share. During the pandemic, it was 38. So yeah. looking at the numbers, it's not that exciting. But as I say, about half the team invest members like it and are probably buying it, but I'm yep. not one of those. Yep. Um, Jackie wants a view, uh, Howard, on CSL, the uh, the big blood plasma global Australian-based uh, organisation. Um, Jackie says, I'm looking to get into CSL, don't have any at the moment. Is now a good time to buy CSL shares? Well, David, probably the best answer I can give you on that for, for Jackie is it's nearly always a good time to buy CSL. It's certainly not particularly cheap at the moment. Its P-E ratio is uh, higher than it averages, but not dramatically higher than it averages. It's on about 37, and it varies between sort of around about 20 and, and, and 45. So uh, it's a little on the expensive side. However, this is a business that even if you buy it when it doesn't seem to be cheap, if you're prepared to hold it for a long time, you do exceptionally well. Um, uh, something like uh, nearly 20 years ago, I think it was in 2003, I bought CSL 
And at the time, I was irritated with myself afterwards because for about three years, the share, share price hardly went up. The earnings went up, but the share price hardly went up. Eventually, the market woke up. My actual cost price after the share split that they had was about $17. So for me, it's about a 15-bagger. I've had dividends along the way that don't pay particularly high dividends. It's been wonderful. And the reason is, when you consider what CSL does, it's constantly developing um, new uh, ways of extracting things from blood that treat particularly uh, troublesome uh, conditions. So the basic plasma business um, is fairly low margin. But all the new things that they're developing, and there's a whole list every year that are in phase three trials phase, two trials phase, one trials, Every time they bring out one of those, it's a hugely profitable um, new line for them. So, you know, CSL is the kind of business you buy it and you hold it for a very, very long time indeed. And with ageing populations, it's only going yep. to do better and better. At these levels? So I'd be buying it? Yeah, I mean, uh, 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 there are some Team Invest members I know buying it at this level. I wouldn't be saying that one shouldn't. I've got a huge amount of CSL, so... Um, I probably okay. wouldn't buy at these okay. levels, but I'd, it wouldn't have to drop much for me to get enthused. Hmm. At $250, I'd probably add to it. Yep. Mark? Yeah, look, these guys, obviously, you know, the Vifor um, acquisition was massive. Um, yep. It'll take a little bit. That's been delayed now. It'll take a little bit for that to play out. Um, so the strategy we've taken with the, with CSL, because we'd like to have some non-cyclicals in the portfolio yeah. uh, for clients particularly, Um its lack of dividend is, you know, doesn't make it easy to hold. So we've we've taken the strategy of selling covered calls outside of um, uh, outside of reporting season. So you can, right. with volatility at extended levels, extended high levels for, um, over the last, particularly the you know the last three or four months, but for, it has been you know well above those sort of ten year averages for for quite some time now. Um, you're getting decent prices there, and you can probably eke yourself out an extra, you know, three or four percent yield um, selling the covered calls uh, yeah. at the, at, you know, at the appropriate times. Um, yeah, look, we, we've, as Howard said, you know, it's always a good time probably to buy CSL. I think yeah. the blood plasma is um, really coming back now. Um, so yeah, we. We certainly wouldn't be doing the covered calls, you know, around the next earnings uh, earnings report, just in case there's an upside surprise. But um, look, they've invested in you know obesity and ageing. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a captive market, and um, and they've they've got a really good track record in acquisitions as well. So, but look, it it goes for really long periods of being range bound. So mm. look, yeah, you'd probably. Um, you know, have a chat with your broker or, or, or whatever for uh, maybe, you know, doing that covered call strategy to try right. and just, just earn a little bit of extra income on something that has a beta of, you know, 0.4, I think, against right. the index. So, it um, yeah, there's <clears> long hold periods. Uh, okay, for a long-term investor, though, happy to get in. Oh, happy to get in, yep. yeah. Okay. All right, let's recap the first... Uh, Five stocks, stock of the day, uh, platinum a no from both itself, from uh, from Mark. Ingham's a no, corporate travel a no from Howard, a hold from Mark and has it on his uh, watch list. Prefer Webjet, I think, in the area you were saying. Uh, Grange Resources a no from Howard, a hold from Mark. It's had a terrific run. 
uh, add effort pullbacks to a um, to a dollar forty five, but uh, a bit high at these stage for new money. Uh, Adairs, a no from Howard, a yes from Mark, but prefers Nick Scarley and Temple and Webster in the area above Adairs and CSL. A yes from both of them as well. Uh, here on um, the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction fantasy fund. You can still watch the last investment uh, committee episode. The new one uh, comes online today, this afternoon. Um, so uh, you can see what the investment committee is adding and taking away uh, this afternoon. Um, last committee meeting, they added uh, uh, Domino's and Tyro and Arden Leisure and uh, keep sending in the, the requests, of course, for the call. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Uh, this half hour, Ampol, Next DC, Premier Investment, Ansel and Latitude. We're going to take a look at um, R- Howard Renmont's view on Ampol, saying, is it benefiting from the hike in petrol prices? Is, it, is this a way we can put a safety net around <laughs> how much we're, <laughs> we're paying at the Bowser? Uh, Ampol, of course, uh, not only sells petrol, but it has its convenience stores, which uh, underpins its earnings as well. Yeah, well, remember, they don't actually produce petrol, they refine it, uh, but uh, they're, not, they're not an oil producer, so the cost of their inputs have gone up dramatically. When they're buying the oil now, the oil is costing them an enormous amount extra. Of course, when we buy it, it's got probably about the same percentage markup, so it's a percentage on a bigger number, which is good for Ampol. So the first answer would be yes. But secondly, there's another long-term thing happening, and that's that cars are getting more fuel efficient and I don't know about you but my uh, every car I've owned tends to have gone longer uh, before it needed to fill up with petrol again and fuel efficiency has improved and electric vehicles are doing more of that and if petrol is expensive and some people work from home we're going to be going to the petrol bowser less frequently than we used to perhaps four or five years ago that's not good for Ampol and it's also not good for the convenience stores that they've got there. So um, I don't know whether they're going to be a beneficiary or uh, 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 harmed by the increase in petrol, but my guess is in the long term more harmed than a beneficiary. So uh, uh, a a no from us. And it it doesn't consistently pass our filters. There's some uh, years when it does at the moment, it's debt's okay and its earnings per share is fine and uh, its return on equity is fine. But uh, it bounces around all over the place, so wouldn't be in the list of companies team invest members would be excited about. Um, Mark, what do you reckon? Look at that chart, five-year highs on the, on the share price as well. It's had a decent run. Yeah, it has had a decent run. Um, I think their margins are about 25 bucks a barrel, but obviously, you know, fairly cyclical. Um, for all the points that Howard made there as well, um, yeah. it, you know, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's not going to be a massive decline anytime soon necessarily. Um, I'd probably just play the, this thematic in different ways. Um, 
We've been long triple O, which is the oil ETF, um, right. and then essentially once we get out of the oil price, um, the well, the oil ETF um, as the price sort of starts to peak, we'll roll back into uh, Woodside, because so, right. obviously the the profits will base will essentially come through in the next reporting season and the dividends etc. So trying to basically be a little bit tricky there and right. and get two benefits out of that. Um, right. But and look and if you know if, if you're keen on the you know the convenience and retail business, well, things like Waypoint REIT at the moment are yielding about nine percent with a long while. Uh, they right. basically service station um, rental rate really um, super stable, pays quarterly. Um, so. I think um, I think there's two sort of better options to play both parts right. of this business at the moment, and you are at five-year highs in a market that's been super tough. Yeah. Um, it doesn't yield, you know, it doesn't yield. I think it's about half of what Woodside does, and right. I think Woodside's probably going to have um, probably going to have fairly good influence from having BHP, you know, yeah. which is highly regarded as one of the better managements in the world globally for um, any company, really. Um, you know, as, as their 48% shareholders. So, mm. um, so I think there will be um, there'll be definite advantages there. Okay. So, yeah, better, yeah, I'd be selling so, uh, it here at these prices. You'd sell, you'd sell yeah, I'd sell it at these, these prices because I think there's there's much um, better opportunities yeah. basically in exactly the same. And there's also the track record that whenever BHP hides off a business, it usually does better outside of BHP than within like <laughs> South, 32. South 32. So it yeah. might be good for, <laughs> for Woodside well as well. Uh, Polly wants a view, Mark, on NextDC, the uh, the big data centre operator with massive centres in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth and Canberra. Uh, always seen as a sexy business, uh, founded by uh, uh, Bevan Slattery, the, uh, um, what would you call it? The tech impresario here in uh, in Australia, whatever yeah. Bevan touches, share price seems to go up? Well, it's certainly gone up. It's it's very expensive. Um, it, yeah, look, they've got premium um, data centres. Um, yeah. They they pretty much are best in class. Their net margins are, um, you know, their net margins are really high. They're much higher than the, and their operating cash yields is higher than the industry average overall. But right. um yeah, look, I, I, in this market, I can't, I can't bring myself yep. to, to, to buy something, um, you know, this ele- with this elevated of forward PE. You yep. know, it's, it's in the hundreds. So wow. Um, okay. So yeah, look, it's but they, look, they had recently had an update. Revenue was up, EBITDA was up, um, nineteen and twenty nine percent respectively. Mm. Um, okay. So yeah, but there's other there's sort of safer options within the sector at the moment. Um, it'll be sort of something that look if we continue to have you know if we have a really high inflation number and the Fed decides to go get start getting super yeah. aggressive. Um, I don't think this thing's going to perform particularly right. well. So it's um, it's not nothing necessarily against it. I think from a maybe a five five year ten year hold sort of area. I think that. They've done great things, um, yep. but in in the near term, it's I think it feels it feels pretty risky. Yep. The macro is works against it a bit. Howard, what do you think of Next DC? Yeah, it's only made a profit three years in ten, and um, the last three years it's made losses. Although in the last six months it made a tiny profit, but its return on equity is minuscule. I mean, it's so close to zero as being might as well regard it as zero. That's not going to be a wealth winner on that basis. Like so many utilities, the problem is, yes, you need the utilities, but it's the people who use the utility who who make money. 
the people who provide the utility really make much money for their shareholders. Yeah. Um, you know, so will we all be using the services that Next DC creates through their data centers? Yes, I'm sure I use them regularly. I wouldn't know for sure, but I'd, I'd be 99% sure that I'm using them at some stage or other. Um, and will our businesses be using them? Yes, we'll make the money. But the utility provider really okay. does because they have all the capital cost and they're always competing with somebody else who's offering the same sort of thing with uh, also with high capital costs. So it's a definite no from us. Uh, Nathan wants to view Howard on Premier Investments. Uh, Solomon Lou's retail vehicle um, uh, owns specialty fashion chains and stores across Australia, New Zealand, Asia and Europe. Uh, Smiggle is part of Premier Investments, which every parent and grandparent would know about. Uh, Peter Alexander, Just Jeans, uh, they own a big stake in uh, Breville as well. Mm. Now, their Breville stake is worth a, a fair bit today as well. But um, the, the beauty of this is Solomon Liu and his team are really, really good at doing one thing that retailers have to be outstanding at, and that's making sure that their rents are low. And they make sure that their leases are most of the time in holdover. So at the beginning of the pandemic, they were in the wonderful position where hardly any of their leases still had time to run. They were just paying month to month. So it was very, very easy to say to the landlords, well, we've got no foot traffic in the center. We're not paying rent. Um, and you know, one of the biggest disadvantages retailers often have is they tied to long leases, which of course suit the landlords more than they suit the retailers. Mm. Premier Investments has the shortest profile of leases of any of the retailers that pass our filters. It's got a high return on equity, low debt, earnings have been growing, dropped a little bit after the boost that it got during the pandemic. So like so many retailers, it's gone back a bit, but it's still way above what it was pre-pandemic levels. And again, part of that is, is rents. Now, of course, since the pandemic, the um, power has shifted a bit more to the, to the uh, lessees rather than the landlords. So I would expect that Premier Investments are going to take the same tough attitude they always have. If you don't give us a decent level of rent, we move out. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why they're so successful. So uh, at these prices, um, it's on a reasonable PE. It's not incredibly cheap, but it's certainly a hell of a lot cheaper than it's been over the last few months. So a yes from us. Okay. So from Team Invest point of view. And I don't own it, but uh, yeah. I know quite a few members like it. Mark, what do you think of Premier Investments, if you like that that retail space area? Yeah, look, um, great management. Uh, yeah. It's pretty close to the pre-pandemic um, highs there as well, I think 2150. Um, yeah, forward PE is well below the sector average. Um, they've got a reasonable dividend yield as well. Um, yeah, look, I, I should probably buy some shares in it, given how much my family spends at Smiggles. So <laughs> the, uh, it's, oh, no. uh, I can see parents and grandparents coming, I oh, reckon. Oh, it's, yeah, no. I've, it's I, huge. I should uh, get a frequent flyers card for there. So, um, but yeah, look, all their numbers are going in the right direction. Um, yeah, they've got the best debt figures in the sector as well. So... Yeah. Um, that that's uh, and they've again they've got really high net margins. So, look if uh, if the end of the uh, consumer discretionary world is is to be is um, 
as analysts are expecting, well, you know, something with a high net margin and, and really low debt's going to be your way to play yeah. it. So, yeah, yeah look, I'm, I'm happy. For, um, I'm happy to be buying this as well. Right. Okay. Um, Oscar, uh, Mark wants a view on Ansel, the big health and safety protection business uh, in uh, healthcare and industrial protective equipment. Yeah, they've had a, they've a few recent updates. Um, they had inventory issues and then... Mm, supply, over, yeah. supply chain and... Yeah, yeah, so it'd be sort of one that, look, I, I think it's got a pretty decent track record. Um, there's still a lot of uncertainty sort of in that, you know, in that sector at the moment. Their input costs are going to be... Are going to be fairly significant, um, so it's just to be interesting to see how they. You can almost classify them as, you know, as mildly non-cyclical in yep. terms of uh, needed for healthcare. Um, I'm pretty happy to dollar average on this one um, overall. It's sec- you know, it's forward PE is about 15. Sector PE is you know in the 40s for healthcare. So yeah. um, although it's almost an industrial, really. Um, so it's got a high net margin, but it does have a fair bit of debt. Um, so look, there's a few uncertainties. I probably wouldn't mind. Look, if, if you're really into the company overall, I think it's um, it's it's worth you know buying small amounts mm. over, over a period okay. of time and maybe waiting. I think an um, interesting option within this sector is um, is Polynovo at the moment. There's been a right. huge amount of director buying in that one, um, and you know it. Uh, you know, it's it's been absolutely hammered over this yep. period. So I think Fisher and Pikeels are probably a, a larger um, and you know more stable version of that as well. But there's a, there's a few bargains in in okay. this sector at the moment. So, uh, but I probably wouldn't mind seeing a, a little bit of uh, you know a, a couple more earnings reports maybe okay. to see things stabilise. All right, um, Howard. It produces ten billion gloves a year. 10 yeah, billion. These are the surgical gloves and stuff like that. Yeah. That's a phenomenal yeah, number. About half their business, I think, is actually industrial gloves. It's only the other half that's the surgical one, but it's the surgical one that's had the huge boost recently, yeah. obviously, because of COVID. And people have become far more conscious about wearing um, gloves when they do things. So there's a lot more glove wearing, and that will probably continue. I mean, one of the interesting things after the Uh, 1919, 1918 and 1919 Spanish flu is that entire generation who lived through that were super uh, focused on hand washing all the time. So it lasted until my late father, for instance, uh, right through his life, uh, you know. Mm. So you'd expect that after COVID, there'll be a, a hell of a lot of this will be implanted in people's memories and they will carry on doing it. So they got a huge boost from COVID. Obviously, not all of that will continue, but there'll be a lot higher level of glove wearing in the health sector and even in people in restaurants and so on than there was before. That's good for them. It's got high return on equity, not super high, but mid-teens return on equity, relatively low debt. Earnings have been growing. The current CEO is retiring soon, but he did an amazing job turning this company around. In fact, reading their annual report is one of the most uh, stimulating annual reports in terms of how you can turn around a mediocre business into a really great business over time, you know, sort of would be a perfect example for good to great. And uh, it's not on an expensive PE, so it's come down in price from 40 odd dollars to uh, in fact, it was over $40, $44 to about 25 and a half or so. So, uh, yeah, yes from us. Right, okay. 
And uh, our final stock, Howard, Mitch wants a view on Latitude, the uh, uh, digital payments business, uh, sort of had a buy now, pay later product as well. Yeah, only been listed a very short period, so much too early for us to be able to tell if management are really good at running the company in a listed environment. Uh, I do have some experience in this type of product in that uh, for many years I was a director of a company that did something similar, uh, much smaller, but it did something similar. And the one concern uh, I would have for them coming up is with interest rates rising and quantitative tightening replacing quantitative easing, I think we're going to see a lot more bad debts than there have been in the past. And that's not great for latitude. So uh, uh, too early to tell, but it's a no from us. Um, what do you think of latitude? Armour for Hoard, the MD, X Australia Post and NAB? Yeah, look, it uh, it had a few false starts, I think, at getting listed. Yes. Um, and obviously, since the period it's been listed, um, it's been very favourable conditions, cheap money. Yep. Um, I, I sort of echo uh, Howard's thoughts. I think, you know, it's a little bit too... While the stats look pretty good, I think it's probably a little bit too early. You know, a company that's only really been listed for 18 months, say, that, um, and we're coming into a very much a changing rate environment, you know, as they grow, whether they can lock down, you know, lock down those margins. Um, on the face of it, it doesn't it doesn't look too bad. They had a slight beat um, last um, uh, last report. So, but there's like this really intense competition. I think their borrowing costs are going to go up, and that mm. intense competition um, is probably you know all that's going to do is compress their margins overall. Right. Um, there's a few, there's a few in that space, but and then uh, there's obviously money meter um, mm. is sort of really, you know, whilst the share price isn't really reflecting, it's really taking on that auto sector, um, which I think is a, is a decent chunk of uh, latitude groups. Um, I've got a mate in in the car industry who is saying their app, they've seen a massive increase in customers using it and getting their car financed right. Yeah, look, and Huge. it's, they've got, the, it's the technology that yeah. really, um, I mean, they can almost, they can almost charge a premium for their, for their app, basically. Right. So that's going to help their margins. Um, like I said, but look at a chart of money, mate, you'd probably, you'd be quite frightened. I think it's doesn't, done nothing but fall. The whole sector, really, like yep. things like Wiser, et cetera, they've all, they all look very similar. There's, um, there's certainly not a, a lot of positivity around them, um, and look, even even in the in the banking sector, really, like we've we've been switching out of um, things like Bendigo Bank, which which we we see their margins will be compressed into something that into the bigger behemoths like CBA, yeah. because they're probably going to you know keep rates lower for longer to uh, to pick up yeah. those mortgages and then um, you know and then so no on latitude no look I, I think we need you need I'd go on the watch list but I think but, right. yeah favorable conditions need to yeah and we need to get the, the level of uncertainty for the next six to 12 months yeah. is yeah not 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 in this favor uh, uh, hey Howard just a question without notice and we're running out of time but an old favorite of yours is credit Corp is that? Yes. Um, so will it benefit from higher interest rates and, uh, you know, um, maybe a deteriorating consumer economy? Yeah, because it's got, remember their money is made not so much by collecting the debts, but by buying the debts cheaply in yeah. order to collect the debts. 
So with interest rates rising, a lot of people are going to fall behind on their payments. That means that where for the last few years they've really struggled to buy debtors' books in Australia because there've been hardly any for sale. Yeah. Now there's going yeah. to be a lot more available for sale. Mm. They've got all the, the data banks of who pays well and who doesn't pay well because they've had decades worth of experience doing this and most of the slow payers tend to be on their database. So they will be able to price buying okay. these debtors' okay. books cheaply and uh, in the end, if the people take longer to pay, they collect more interest from the people anyway. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Sorry, question one. When we're talking about banks, because, um, Mark, that's been a theme whenever financial institutions have come up this last week, and it just dawned on me that I remember how we're talking about credit corp about a year ago. It hasn't come up on the call very yeah, much. Yeah, look, if but, credit corps, uh, if, if you can make money now and the default rates are less than half a percent, yeah. well then, yeah. And it'd be interesting to go back actually and have a look at the st- what the default rate was like in the last time we had stagflation when the Volcker, yes. you know, the Volcker uh, raised interest rates in response yep. to inflation. So yep. maybe that's probably not a bad okay. little, uh, case study. Thank you both. Uh, we've uh, it's gone into flash. It's been fantastic. Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Really appreciate your time. Pleasure as always. Been good fun. Yeah. Mark Gardner from Macro. Cheers good to see you. you, mate. Thank you for coming into the Brangaroo Studios. Let's just recap the final five stocks. Um, Ampol, a no from uh, Howard. Um, Mark saying sell because it's had a great run. Um, he thinks maybe a switch into Wood, Woodside could be a, a better alternative. Uh, next, he see a, a no from both. Premier Investments, a yes from both. Um, Ansel, a yes from Howard. Uh, dollar average for that. Dollar average, yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to buy it to, to average down. And uh, Latitude, a no from Howard on Mark's watch list. Uh, but uh, Mark's also impressed with Money Me as well. Uh, look, if you've got any stocks you'd uh, like us to, uh, like me, to put to the panel, put them in an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Uh, check out all the stocks in the calls portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And uh, small caps coming up straight after this. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.